What's up, friends? This is a special bonus episode of the podcast where we're going to uh, bring in the Q&A from the Twitter space uh, that we recorded the first part of episode 12 on. And some of the questions uh, and the conversation was really, really good, so I thought I would include it here um, as a bonus episode. Please let me know via feedback. Uh, jump over my DMs on any of the social channels. Let me know what your thoughts are on this. But there's some really great questions, um, and we talk about everything from community to what founders can do different in NFTs and really what we as individuals can do as far as owning our role um, in this NFT space. Keep so, the recording uh, going. I hope you guys enjoy. Note. Cheers. Uh, anyone wants to raise their hand, share you know their thoughts, comments, ask a question. Um, I, I'm going to add this in kind of as a bonus uh, part of the episode. Uh, how to avoid rug pulls, understanding you know scam artists and some of the things that go on um, in in this space. I, you know, as I mentioned, I fell for it. I know. I mean. I feel bad for the people that I really was excited to see, you know, uh, flourish in this space. Um, you know, we're, we're products of that. And in a way it feels a little bit like uh, if you don't, if you haven't been rug pulled or you haven't clicked on the wrong link or you haven't almost bought the wrong NFT, um, you really haven't, you know, gone through, you haven't, you haven't gone through what you need to go through to be in this space. Cause it's just kind of like the way that this whole uh, world works, but I'm not, but I, I hate that as an excuse. Um, I do not like that people have to make the same mistakes that I have. If I can do anything in my, in my power to help, you know, prevent others from making the same mistakes I I'm making, uh, I'm going to go above and beyond and out of my way to kind of make that, uh, the case. But, um, yeah, feel free to, you know, if anyone wants to jump up or raise their hand or do any of that, if not, I know many of you have to get on with your day. It is a Tuesday on a short week. Um, I was getting text messages from my daughter and I'm like my youngest daughter. I'm like, why is my youngest daughter Tw- uh, texting me she should be in school but i forgot today's a half day uh so i do see it here i see a couple people um yeah so um i just want to share yeah thanks I, I really enjoyed this podcast today came at a really great time for me actually so um actually just last night was my first um experience uh, getting scammed um and you know thank goodness it wasn't like a ton of money but i totally resonate with what you're saying like until you go through that you know, you, you can't really say, okay, yeah, I'm in this space and I get it now. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to kind of share my thoughts on, yeah, even, even I was aware of like so many scams that go on and, oh yeah, I got to be careful not to look at people DMing me and not to go for all these people posting things, these scams on Twitters and all the spam. And, um, yeah, last night uh, I was looking on Coin Market Cap, looking at some interesting coins, and I totally just FOMO'd into one and just got all emotional about it. Didn't do my proper research and just decided I'd go for it. Um, and uh, yeah, turned out to be a honeypot. Couldn't uh, then get oh. my funds back. Oh. Oh, that's, that's brutal. And, and the FOMOing in, <laughs> I think there's like so many of us that have done that, right? Where we know better. But like in that moment, you're like, this is it. I, I, I'm in early. I, I got to go in and get it. And you, you know, go through and click all of it only to realize that you probably should have done a little bit more research. That's tough, man. I'm sorry to hear that happened. No worries. It's, uh, it was a learning experience. Absolutely. Um, and uh, yeah, um, I'm all the wiser for it. Thanks for letting me share. Appreciate that. Yeah, no, thanks for jumping up. I appreciate that. And I will say for those that hadn't heard the story, you know, I when I first got the Creator Coin, when I got the ADHD uh, Creator Coin, um, it, you know, it's on a side chain, which really what that means is uh, that you know it's not on the main net that that Ethereum and and Bitcoin are on. Um, and and part of that, you know, that means that if I want to, um, you know, take my my coins to 
the to cash out or to to take them and switch them into another crypto um i need to i need to actually um you know bridge them out um over to another wallet and i made the big mistake of uh bridging them out to uh, a wallet that did not accept that type of coin and it was a massive mistake on my part. Um, and uh, it was definitely a lesson learned for me, right? So there's a little bit of the nuances that exist. So for anyone that's out there, if you're transferring coin or making any of those, um, like those kind of decisions, tr- start with just a little bit, right? Start with you know a very small amount. See if the transfer works. See what it costs. See the emails that you get when it goes through. Think about how long it took for it to process. And then factor that in when you actually are going to make uh, you know a substantial, you know, whatever everyone decide, you know, everyone can decide what substantial is for them. But um, that's something I would also recommend. Is I did not do that. I. I decided that like 12,000 coins, moving them, bridging them out at once to test the, uh, the wallet transfer was a good idea. And I, I sent it to a wallet that didn't have that extra coin. So definitely a lesson learned on my side. Drew, what's up, my friend? Hey, Fanzo. I have a, I have a pretty interesting one that uh, I was part of a project uh, a couple months back. And it, technically, it feels like a rug pull, but really, <laughs> it was the community that, that kind of rug pulled ourselves. And I think I mentioned this on on spaces before but it's just interesting because i want to bring it up for some of the other listeners that you know it's not just uh it's not just a scammy tactic by some of these founders because i think in this this actual case and i won't even drop the name just because i i personally feel like the founders were doing the right things um but it was a, a fact of the the community you know kind of driving this toxic trait of figuring out how they're or how or when they were going to flip this uh this certain project and to be honest, I, I truly feel like we pulled ourselves because it was a it was a sequence of events where you know we, the thing launched and right when the first two I think pre sales launched, uh, people started putting it back on open seas for about half the price of what they minted, and that immediately caused uh, maybe it was novice, maybe it was uh, you know people who are who are just getting into the space and they truly didn't understand what was going on. But it also led to this really toxic behavior within the the Discord and the whole community. Um, a lot of death threats, a lot of threats to the owners, founders, artists of the project. Um, and this was a project that had been on the NFT page multiple times. Um, they had some pretty serious musicians and and especially rappers come be a part of their project and help promote it. So there's a lot of hype being placed on on this specific project and. Um, like uh, the, the previous speaker said, you kind of have this FOMO and you, you kind of feel like this is what's significant in the space and kind of seeing this hype train and, and hype develop for a project. Um, but the community and a lot of people are, are kind of tacking on the fact that the community is so strong and that's why you need to join this project. And uh, I think what, what people haven't equated yet is the, the community can also be the downfall of a lot of these projects where you know, I personally think these founders were putting on a, a strong project. They had a lot of things upcoming, you know, free merch, uh, multiple airdrops, holiday versions of their tokens. They had all these things lined up. And, you know, I don't think the artist would be spending as much time as he did if, if this was truly a rug pull. And so I thought this was a really unique situation where the community pulled ourselves. And it's just something to look out for, um, not just doing research on the founders, but you have to be plugged into the community to see kind of what the vibe is in the actual Discord and community because if it's just a lot of greedy, greedy conversations taking place, 
um, then it's crazy how fast um, this toxic community just spread through the whole Discord. And then, you know, I, I believe if you go to the open seas now, it actually says that the floor price is zero. And so it, I just wanted to share that snippet of part of your research is also <laughs> taking part of, of the actual conversations or, or at least see what's going on and getting a general vibe for who else is involved in this in these types of projects as well. I mean, I think, I mean, such important points there, Drew. I'm glad you brought them back up because I think, you know, recognizing that if everyone is talking about the floor price from the start, that the, a lot of people are looking at this, you know, it's a different type of, you know, conversation. If the, if the community is literally only built on tracking the dollars and cents, if, I think it's a little bit less of a community at that point, right? It's a, it's a little bit more of a bunch of people that are together trying to make um, some short-term return, which some projects, that's fine. And that, that's part of it. Um, and I think you're, you're, the other part of that I think is really important to say is, you know, we all want ownership, right? We all want ownership in the community. We want to know that our voice is heard. We want to know that our, we can make an impact. But here's the thing. That goes both ways. We can make an impact and our voice can be heard for good, or we can make an impact and our voice can be heard for bad, either by not sharing our voice or you know, t- making that ownership about something that is not, th- you know, thriving or helping the community as itself grow. And so like, I'm a big believer about, you know, making sure that you're talking about utility, talking about some of the other things. And it's okay to talk about how do we rally together to build the price of something up. But if we're only focused about this idea that like, what, why is, you know, why is someone selling it for this amount? Or how do we shame people into not sh- selling what they're, they're going to be about? Like for me, I think you have to, we have to recognize that some people are going to have different goals, especially in these 10,000 uh, PFP projects. But we also have to recognize like, what is the collective vibe and energy of the entire group? And I think Drew, to your point, I mean, an entire, I mean, a, a group of, you know, it's not even really bad actors, right? It's a group of people that like, all of a sudden the trend just becomes to be negative. I mean, I'm in the Mechaverse uh, Discord and you know, I joke all the time that Mechaverse was such an interesting one, right? It was like one of the biggest hyped events uh, ever. I still hold my Mecha uh, right now. Um, and you know, when, you know, when they announced their raffle and 8,888 people won, there was 2,301,000 people that were pissed off because they didn't win the raffle. And that Discord was so negative and so, I mean, for for a month at least and now it's it's definitely uh, it's kind of found its way back away back around it's very vibrant in my opinion there's a lot of people that are confident in you know what the some of the things that they're going to roll out there's also people that are like hey if you were still around when when everybody was cutting bait as the price was going down and things bottomed out and people were kicking the project when it was down um, you apparently are, are people that are in it for the long haul and I will say that's part of the reason I'm in that project is because a I'm a believer in that kind of second chances but b I wanted to see you know how good is this community um at rallying behind those that like they can trust or those that they can be a part of so drew i think that's such a uh, a valid valid point there on you know we can rug pull ourselves and you know there are a couple other projects that i mean i think the art is amazing i think the rug the the roadmap is actually pretty well uh, defined as well i just think the wrong people were holding the nft at the beginning and it takes a long time to uncleanse or declens or to you know kind of go through like when i started going through some of the and the one project i will you know i'll give a shout out like uh i think bubblegum kids is a great project i think it's a um i love the art i love the team behind it i know that they've kind of all of a sudden got a little bit of a surge in the last week but you know when i first heard that project i went to you know mint in and be a part of it and i recognized that like all of a sudden when i looked at people and i and i wasn't minting so i was it was after they had launched 
a lot of people, um, I would click on like a lot of these, uh, you know, uh, blue bubblegum kids that were for sale. And I would notice that like the, like the same five or six people had like a hundred of them in their wallet. And I was like, Oh, and then I went and looked at what else they have in their wallet. And I looked at their activity in the, in the discord. And I was like, man, as this sucks because I look at the community, I look at the roadmap, I look at the founders um, as the kind of the right people doing the right things. And it took a while for it to, I'm not sure the exact date of when that one, um, you know, uh, kind of uh, flipped around or, you know, when it was actually originally launched, I'm, I'm pulling it up right now, but I, you know, I'm a proud holder. I have two of their, um, of the bubblegum kids um, NFTs. I, um, they just did a merch launch and I can tell you I was on that, on their website for their merch, like for well over an hour trying to convince myself not to pull the trigger. They did a great job um, with their merch. You know, they have a, a discord with about 25,000 members in it. Um, I just opened it up right now and there's over a thousand that are currently active, you know, at the, at the moment. And the floor price on that one has gone drastically up over the last um, week. But I will tell you for the longest time, the sales were coming out of the same wallets and there were a lot of them being sold for, you know, a little bit lower than floor over and over and over again. But I now look at that project because of the holders and the people that are involved as a very positive project and one that I'm excited to be a part of. So that's just another example of like, you know, there might not even be, you know, you know, all bad actors or all bad holders of the NFT. It actually could just be one or one or two or a group of them that are, you know, they're the way that they're acting actually sets a trend for others. And that's why, like for me, I try to tell people not to look at the floor price. I like to look at the average sale price. I also like to look at the activity log and I like to track through the activity log and say, what are, what is, what are some of the ones that are going for a certain amount, right? Like I'll put a, an amount in my head and I'll look at the NFT and say, what about that NFT made it worth that amount? Okay. Who's the person that actually purchased it. What is their knowledge or what does their wallet look like? Um, you know, cause for those that you know don't know, you can do that with everybody, um, on, um, you know, any of the blockchain, it's very transparent. You can look at who owned it beforehand and who owns it now. So that's something that I'm definitely doing. So I love that, that, that take drew. Yeah. I had a follow-up question too. And I'm kind of curious on your take on this, you know, if, are there anything that the founders can do to kind of build that culture where it's like, Hey guys, look, this is, this is for, we want you to have utility you want the onus to be on the utility you want the focus to be on you know what benefits that you're getting outside of just the financial gain so other things that the founders can do and maybe i'll give you two examples the first one is not partnering up with like a, a rarity tools or rarity sniper and having less focus on on actual rarities of the token so it has more of a, a kind of a general feel of like you're in you're in and it doesn't matter what your ticket looks like but you have a ticket and you know, and for for the actual people that are designing these projects and and the artists behind these projects, to keep things kind of on an even playing field, um, I think a good example that I've heard before is like you have your rare Pokemon and then you have your common Pokemon, and when you have a deck, you really only care about like your top three rare Pokemon, and and then the other ones kind of get discarded. And I think that there's there's probably a lot of benefits there when it comes to declaring a floor price um, across a project, but if the owners and the founders really help the community understand that, hey, like there is a rarity just by the fact that we have to have metadata and properties attached to, the, to our to our art. But we're not putting a lot of focus and effort and energy into, you know, who has the most rare token. There's And we want to kind of eliminate the status uh, between our projects. You know, do you feel that there's other things that founders can do to kind of get away from that notion of just financial gain in the NFT world? Ooh, love that question, Drew. I think, so yes, I think there are some things. And I will say, 
the first thing is, you know, I actually think that using rarity tools or the rarity um, measurement ones, I don't actually think that is a bad thing for a project. I think, you know, I think the problem becomes when the rarity of, uh, of your properties on your NFT become the only thing of value, right? That's what, kind of what we're, we're sharing here. And so for me, that there's an interesting, you know, subsection of this, right? Because, you know, I, you know, Drew, you're a crypto dad, right? When, when you joined in, when I was talking to you about crypto dads, I told you like, I have a Kobe Jersey crypto dad. I didn't tell you my rarity number of my, of my crypto dad. I just said, Hey, I have a, I have a Kobe Jersey one and I love it. And I, and I know there's some other fellow crypt, you know, that Kobe Jersey ones. And I remember you got in on a floor crypto dad and I, and we were talking about it and I was like, for me, the unity is not as much on the rarity, right? Because if I'm the only one that has a certain rarity of the art, yes, that can be more valuable from a collector's perspective, but it's not in many ways more valuable from the ability for me to build rapport and find others that are you know like-minded or, or finding a group within a group. And so I think part of it needs to be empowering and, and you know, crypto dads, if they're listening, I've asked for this a couple times in the Discord and still have not got feedback on it, um, that I, you know, I would like the ability to you know put a... Um, an actual channel that says, you know, the based on some of the characteristics that are very broad, right? That are are uh, are larger amount uh, around the thing. So that's one of them that I think as as founders, part of it needs to be how do I help people see not only just the utility, but see the unique value that connects and bonds them with others. And it doesn't even have to be within the art, right? Maybe you know, part of your channels are, hey, we also are everyone in this, the, in this, you know, um, that is holding, you know, whatever the the NFT is. If you're all holding this certain NFT, but yet you're also happen to be a, um, you know, a under twenty or under thirty entrepreneur, right? Like creating those kind of groups. The flip of this, and you mentioned, you asked this, Drew, on the question you know, what can founders do? I believe the, the the key, when you feel like you're losing the community or you feel like the vibe is going in a way that you don't, you didn't really intend to, or maybe it's just like, hey, I want to flip things. What you need to do is you need to focus on the the most power users that you have and the most new users that you have. And what I mean by that is you need to be very deliberate at rallying and amplifying and empowering those that are your power users, those that are there all the time. And, and what I mean by empowering, that means getting them on a Zoom, letting them know that you appreciate them, maybe giving them a little bit of control within you know, the Discord or you know, maybe you're amplifying them on, on Twitter, on tweets because you just want to celebrate who they are. Because what that requires is like you need them to help shift the momentum the flip of that when i said you have to also focus on the new users this is when the story matters and this is when the access to founders matters and this to me is the biggest glaring gap in the nft community space right now is not enough founders understand the importance of being part of the conversation and the storytelling. Like when a Twitter space opens up every single day for your community and you are never a part of it as a founder, to me, that's a massive red flag. How, how can we believe in what the founders are going if they're not even you know, supporting it? And yes, we can use the word busy and we, we're, we're too busy working with our programmers. We're, we're too busy working with our team. But for all of those that put their hard-earned money on the line, all they hear is you're too busy for them. And so I'm a big believer in that you have, and I, and I know there's a couple of people that are in here right now that I, I had a call with um, a group of people and I just told them, I was like, I know as a creator, as an artist, 
you hate this part. Like you, you don't want to do what I do, right? Like, and I see my, my, my good buddy Sean's in the audience as well. Uh, you know, we as speakers as, as, you know, this is our full-time job. Like we get paid to talk and tell stories and, 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 you know, sit in the, in the limelight in many cases, but for the, for the founders, for the artists, it's essential for that community to have access to you in a way that allows them to, to feel what you feel, for them to understand where you're going. And, and one of the best examples are, there's a couple NFTs that I should have sold already. But you know what? Their, their founders have been so real and raw and been honest and been really into the community that I'm holding it just simply for the fact that I want to support them. And it might bottom out to zero. It might be a worthless NFT. But for me, it's enough of a reason to stay involved. And so that's kind of where I would say is a big one. And then the last thing is, you know, start thinking about ways that it's not about just the new users and the, the power users. But tar- how can you move people from, from the, the, the lurker to the, the to the poster or the the one that is is actively engaging like that's a, that's one of the hardest things to do in any community how do i get someone that is showing up but is not active to want to be active and most of the time, how you have to do that is you have to be very deliberate with making your asks. You have to be willing to tag them in the comments of posts and bring them into conversations. You need to go out of your way to celebrate those that you think they look up to. Like This is another example. I don't think a lot of NFT communities do a great job of highlighting and celebrating their, their most active and passionate fans. And I'm not talking about the ones with the most followers on Twitter. Screw that. The ones that are in your Discord that are, are keeping things positive, that are welcoming people, that are celebrating those that are, that are in these things, if you celebrate them, not only does it make that person feel good, but it will inspire those that have yet to be active to have a reason to be active because like, wow, this community, this founders, this group cares about us. They're going to celebrate us and what we're all about. So those are kind of my thoughts. Uh, Drew, did you have anything you want to comment or push back on? No, no, I completely agree. It's it's so much, you know, kind of having that Chick-fil-A customer service. And I think that's definitely kind of messed out in the NFT world right now. Um, not only when it's convenient for the founders, but, you know, to, to make themselves available, I think would be huge. Even if it was even if it was some pre-recorded stuff and things that they can shoot out and communication-wise, but um, I completely agree with you. Another thing that popped in my head when I was kind of thinking about, you know, what else founders can do and I kind of would like to hear your opinion is like, what if you're only able to mint one? You know, like, does that, does that even kind of provide the the culture and the mindset to like, hey, we're not going to allow you to mint three, five at one time, you know, in hopes to to really be able to see it as more as, a, as an investment, but um, to have that singular ticket that that provides you these benefits that this specific community might offer you. So, um, does that make sense? Yeah. So yeah. So I think you know, for I think that's a it's a valid question. I think for me, this isn't just only my own opinion, is that as soon as we start limiting the way that we allow people to have ownership and participate, it will immediately start to you know um, put some walls around the types of of people that are interested or that are part of this. And I I kind of look at as an early adopter, I like to look at it and say, how can we let a lot of people in? And, and let them play in the way that they want to, but let's help make the mass majority of them, uh, you know, kind of all of, you know, the mass majority will determine which way we go on things. Because here's the, here's the counter argument to that kind of idea of like, you know, limiting how many people can hold is that a lot of the ways that traction is built in price and in um, virality is the amount of transactions that are, are recorded in the blockchain. And so, you know, part of it is, you know, Drew, if I could go back, if I could, if I could say, yes, the more individual holders you have means that 
NFT projects will be more successful and gain more of the popularity. If if we were if the system was built around that, it would make a lot of sense. But when we look at you know transaction volume, right, being something that is something that is uh, attractive in this space because it's attractive in the cryptocurrency space as well. If we look at something like um, you know not only volume of uh, you know of sales, but you know volume of sales in the last twenty four hours, volume of sales in the last seven uh, you know seven days. If your community is so good, and you only allow one holder, uh, you know one uh, NFT per you almost have to get to a point where there are none available for the price and the virality for it to actually take off. And that's a long-term play that requires a lot of community work. And so what I like to look at that is, I like to say, hey, people can hold up to three to five or whatever that may be, but we're going to focus on that middle group. And as that middle group, we, we nurture that part of the community, we amplify that part of the community. Those that have multiple ones and starting to sell them off, now only more people that have one are going to buy them. And all of a sudden, yes, we're going to have that volume, but when we get to a point where the volume of transactions goes down, but the amount of individual holders is, uh, is up, the idea of FOMO and people that want to be a part of something is at a heightened level to where it's now more valuable for your NFT project. Because I do believe projects that go in there and say, I want all individual holders and then get frustrated because the floor price is at a certain level, you can't have both out of the gate. You, you must kind of attack this by understanding, like if you only allow one per holder, a, you're going to, you know, yes, you might limit bots and yes, you might limit the whales, but I know a lot of whales that have 15 wallets, right? So like, let, let's be real. Like, are we, we limiting that from the, that potential or are we limiting someone that's saying like someone like myself where I'm going to go in and mint two or three and then I'm going to be such a fan of them. I'm going to talk about it with a friend and then I'm going to transfer one of them to a friend because I tell them that I want them to be a part of this community so much because I believe in it. And so there is kind of like a little bit of that risk versus reward on that. And, you know, and, and I will say six months from now, we probably we'll back listen back to this episode and we'll laugh about rarity tools and we'll laugh about you know the fact that we were focused on total volume of of transactions as something that was determined um, you know the success or the popularity of a project but at the moment that's kind of the way that the 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 tools are reporting it's kind of the way that we're kind of measuring but you know like I mean look at my PFP right now Drew right I'm rocking the 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 Playboy bunny and they have been adamant since the jump that they don't want you to find the most rare Playboy bunny. I know, Drew, you have that as well. For those that don't know, Drew joined me at the Playboy party um, in New York, so we both checked that off of our bucket list. Although he's in his 20s, I'm in my 40s, so I feel like he's he's hitting these, Drew, you're hitting these you know, milestones before I am. <laughs> but I will say, like, the Playboy one, since the start, since before they released the art, they said, we want people to pick the ones that are most important to them, the ones that, that embody who they are. And they've also said, we're going to start doing giveaways, not based on the most rare traits, but based on certain things that we like about certain PFPs. And that's a great example of how do you inspire people not to care about the, 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 you know, the rarity level and focus more on the, you know, the, what matters to them. That's one of the ways you do it. Now, I will say I played on both sides, right? Like there was, there was a style and you know this cause I've been sending you a bunch of them. There was a style of the Playboy bunny that, um, you know, uh, PFP Rabbitar that I really, really wanted, but I also wanted one that was high on the rarity level that are low on the rarity level. Um, and there was a couple of them that I was just waiting for them to pop. And the one that is currently my PFP that will be my PFP for the very long near future. Uh, yes. I said long near, um, is that one that actually, as soon as it popped off, I was like, wait a second, 
That's 890th out of 11,000. And it has the characteristics that I want. It has the microphone. It has the yellow ears. It has the pink bow tie. I'm going to pull the trigger on it. And so I, you know, that's an example of kind of playboy, you know, as a group is stressing that rarity isn't the, the thing that matters. And I kind of played in the middle of it because they kind of allowed both of them. The fact that, you know, rarity tools is there as well. No, no, Vanzo, that's all great. I think it, it, this is all very tactical advice for, for how the world is right now. Uh, I don't know. When I look at the whole NFT space, I just see a lot of people. I, don't, just, don't, I just don't see founders trying to build culture and then, and then having that culture kind of be the, the North Star for people to find that community. Um, and, you know, I think that that's something that, that we'll start to, to soon see is, you know, People want to join communities more based on utility than than how people are prioritizing um, NFTs now, and so I, I just think that that's something that will come into play. And <laughs> I'd love to be one of those projects that can kind of figure out and crack the code on that early, and and build the culture and have that culture be the magnet for the right types of people for our community versus um, anybody and everybody. And then we have to manage the community, which kind of is how it feels right now. Is there's a lot of anonymous people that get plugged into a community. And it's now up to the founders and the mods to now manage all these expectations and um, the the range of the range of diversity of intentions across projects right now is is crazy. You know, like it, the one that was part in, you know, it felt like ninety percent were just ready to flip, and unfortunately, the art um, didn't come out. I think they did a really good job of promoting the really strong art, but about ninety percent of that project, the art was undesirable, and so it quickly turned into a, a flip project. And it just seemed like the mods had no opportunity to kind of manage it at all. Where versus, if the founders are very upfront, they're they're choosing not to take a more hype route where they're pulling these rappers or or athletes or or influencers to to plug about it, post it on their stories, um, but to really kind of fit a a mold of instilling values and and these certain principles to what the project is about. And then attracting the right types of people versus trying to sell out, you know, in 20 minutes or 30 minutes or two days. Um, maybe it takes two months, but you have the right types of people for that long-term project. Whereas the project I was a part of, you know, they were so focused on the promotion and the hype that uh, that it ended up failing because they couldn't manage, you know, or they didn't they didn't attract the right types of people for them to have a long-term project. Um, well, you know, so funny. I think that's just one thing I like to see. In- you know, yeah, I you know what's funny about that. I didn't mean to cut you off, but you know what's funny about that is like, I think that, you know, this is the, the exciting part is this is like not a new problem in the digital space. It's like one of the massively, you know, a glaring issues when it comes to building community, nurturing community, um, empowering communities. Like how do you, how do we do all of that while also giving the community, you know, freedom and, and allowing them to help shape it. And I will say, I think, you know, part of that, what you're, what you're sharing, and I think it's one of the things that we have to think about as well is, you know, as founders, as, you know, early adopters, we also have to be willing to allow the culture to shift our own opinion or goals based on what the culture wants to do at that moment, right? And that takes that takes a lot, right? Because it's almost like, hey, I wanted us to focus on this part of the roadmap, but it seems that the mass majority of people care about this part. Let me decide, like, you know, let me understand how that, you know, to make that happen. And I think that's the difference between, you know, people that don't get involved with brand projects are because the brand's not going to listen to us. 
But people that are going to get in projects that are run by people that care about their community or people that look like them or act like them or the same age or the same background, we have a tendency to believe that they're going to be willing to and open to adapt. And I think oftentimes we aren't willing to adapt in those cases. And then the last part of that, I think it's also, you know, just an important piece of this conversation is, you know, Gary V is a good example of, you know, Gary still puts out tweets right now that says, if you are holding V friends and you were looking for a quick win, you need to get out of this project because that's not what I built it for. And if Gary is still having to say that six months after V friends came out, then it really it's it's a product of the overall culture of the NFT community, less so about individual communities. And so I think the the piece of this that I think is exciting is, you know, rather than trying to be the, you know, I think the exception to the rule. I think part of this comes down to how can I allow, how can I put, and this is where I love, like how do I put swim lanes in place where I let people bob and weave and do some things that maybe weren't exactly what I wanted them to do, but they're doing it within the lanes so that we're all still going the same direction and things will kind of work themselves out over time. And so like, that's kind of how I look at that is we can't, I, I think forcing a community into, you know, acting a certain way. Like I don't like, you know, community uh, moderators when they jump into certain channels and the first time that someone posts in the wrong section, they like, they grill them or they, you know, they're giving them a warning or whatever it is. Like, I think there's, there's some things that we can do that say like, Hey, for anyone that's talking about a problem, Project that they're personally involved in. Let's make sure that we get that over to this channel, just because we don't want to cloud that um, in this, you know, in this program or whatever it is. I think doing those type of things, and and I will say, the part about this is celebrate those that are acting and performing and doing things in the way that you want them to do. Like if you have someone that is holding your NFT and they've gone out of their way to purchase a, a, a t-shirt with that NFT on the front of it and they spend their own money on it, they didn't even want to wait to it and their only goal was to celebrate the NFT project that you know you created, like I would go out of my way to say thank you or I would amplify that or I retweet it or I would celebrate it or I would make it a, a, a kind of a deal because not only is that showing to others in that community that you care and that, hey, this is someone that is you know kind of falling in the way that we want to, but it also keeps inspiring those people to kind of take those actions. So uh, love that you jumped up. Love that you shared that. Or you you uh, brought that in, Drew. All right, guys, I'm going to have to run. I do have a, a phone call at 2.30. Um, this will be the bonus episode for bonus uh, episode 12 of the NFT 365 podcast. So if you guys are, I want to hear the Q&A section, that is that. Uh, episode 12 will be live probably in about an hour or so. We should have it up live in all of your favorite podcasting apps. So if you missed it or you want to share it with one of your friends, uh, feel free to do so. And I will say that's my call to action. Uh, you don't have to leave a review. You don't have to... Uh, uh, tell me how great it is. If you just tell one person uh, that, hey, this podcast um, is worth checking out, uh, if all the listeners do that, um, I will be one happy uh, host and one happy person. So with that, my friends, make it a great one. Cheers.